Cool. Um, I guess let's kick it off. So welcome back to another episode of Soundcore Sundays, everyone. Um, uh, my name is Lawrence, brand manager here at Soundcore. I'm Sean. I'm the upper brand manager. <laughs> the other one, the other guy. <laughs> the other guy. I never know what to say at the beginning anymore. No, same. So we need, we need, we need a better intro for sure. But anyway, uh, today we have um, some very uh, special guests here with us. And uh, these are three girls who are attempting a world record attempt. Actually, sorry, two world record attempts. So I'll let you guys uh, introduce yourselves. Hi, well, we're Atlantic Antics. That's our team. Um, I'm Flo. I'm Hannah. And I'm Georgie. And together this December, we're rowing across the Atlantic Ocean in a bid to break two world records to become the youngest and fastest female trio to have ever rowed across the Atlantic. We're competing in the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge, which is a 3,000-mile rowing race across the Atlantic Ocean. Um, yeah, so we're hoping it won't take more than 45 days. That's our aim. Just, just a casual 45 days across the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, made that, you, you made that sound so easy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're doing it in December. We are, but we're leaving from, um, so the race starts on the 12th of December and everyone's like, will it not be really cold? But we're leaving from, leaving from Lagomera, which is um, a tiny island next to Tenerife in the Canaries and going oh. to Antigua. So actually, although the very beginning, the nights may be a little bit cooler, it's not like leaving from the UK and it being super cold. So it will be pretty nice, hopefully in terms of temperature for us. Yeah, yeah, and the reason cool. for leaving in, in December is to try and catch the trade winds mm-hmm. going across so, and, so and, and beat hurricanes. I think like my, my first question then is, is why? <laughs> why, did, why, did, why did you guys want to do this? <laughs> why not, Lawrence? Why not? <laughs> I, that's, that is a great question back. I like that. Um, why not? Sorry. I think for us, it was just kind of, it became... We've had a couple of friends that have done it in the past. And then this opportunity came up at this point in our lives when we're all, um, where it just kind of fit in for us all. And we, so me and Flip Flo knew each other from uni and then we decided we wanted to do it. And we're looking for another teammate. Georgie, whilst that was happening, was part of another team that fell through. Um, And then we all met each other and became Atlantic Antics. And it just kind of became, you know, when you've got an opportunity like this at a time in our lives when we're all, um, you know, we don't have huge responsibilities that we're leaving behind, as it were. Um, And it just fit really well for us. And we're also doing it for two um, charities, two causes. So we're rowing for women in sport and rowing together for healthy minds. Um, and so it just, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good reason. Um, and it, I think we all have like a thirst for adventure as well. And I think, especially as you start out in your careers, I mean, I work in an office, I'm a data analyst in, in a marketing agency and I don't want to be sat at a desk every day for the next like 40 years. Like I want to have experiences that are greater than that. And what better way than to row across an ocean doing a sport that I love. <laughs> With crazy. two people you love. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And so how was, um, you said it's like the, the, the right time to do it for you guys, but obviously with everything that's happening in the world at the moment, you know, COVID and how, how's that, how's that affected the, the whole thing? Uh, it's been a bit of a, uh, well, it's still going ahead. So that's the main yeah, thing. 
Um, <laughs> it was a few scary moments where like lockdown, you think, oh, is lockdown going to last forever? But um, we felt pretty confident the whole way through, really. Um, maybe it's affected it in terms of we can't see each other as much. And uh, when we initially first got the boat, we couldn't go out in it straight away because of the restrictions. So we've had to cram in a lot of training on the water. Uh, but to be honest, because of COVID, it's like we have to do it now because... But it's like if, if, if tomorrow, <laughs> if, to, if tomorrow <laughs> Boris Boris Johnson is like right, full lockdown, no one can go out. What does what does that mean for you guys? What like does that affect the whole thing or, or what? I mean, so we're doing it as as part of the race, and as sort of the larger organisers that I think are putting lots of different plans in place. And before we go, we've got to have negative tests um, twice. Um, and so I suppose one, it would, I suppose it depends what that lockdown is and how long it lasts for, but hopefully in some way, you know, there's still a window of time, um, from December through to January really when it could begin. So whether it got delayed, whether, I don't know, let's not think about that. Cause no, I know, no, okay. <laughs> if it does, we'll blame you. Yeah. <laughs> and then- I feel like, um, I feel like rowing across the ocean is like the ultimate isolation anyway. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're like, hey, Boris, we're we're going out across the ocean for this is our quarantine. Yeah, we're we're gone. Don't worry about us. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. And (laughs) would they? I guess would they make you quarantine when you arrive on the other side? Because you've been out on the ocean for 45 days anyway. So (laughs) yeah, there was um, one guy who I read about. I think it must have been back in March, April, when all these lockdowns started who just rode across the Atlantic and he was going into one of the islands uh, in the Caribbean. And I think at first they were saying, no, you can't, you can't land because of, because of lockdown. And everyone's like, well, he's been at sea for 90 days. <laughs> he's quarantined <laughs> enough. He definitely doesn't have COVID. So I think he'd eventually let him on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And so what, like, um, in terms of the training that you guys are doing, how's, how's that going? Good. So we train with a, we've got a personal trainer called Gus Barton who has rode across the Atlantic himself. And he recently rode around Britain during, um, during the summer. And he, you know, he sets us a program, which we kind of train, I guess, typically about five, six times a week at the moment, um, trying to fit us in around work on the weekends over the summer, we've been out on a boat. So that might look like a 24 hour row, a 48 hour row, Last weekend, because of the weather um, and the tide, so you have to kind of look for the best window sometimes of when we can go out and train. We had to go out from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., so we just oh rode through God. the night. So, um, hearty animals. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new you know Saturday night. night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Saturday nights have become very different now that we're <laughs> rowing and in lockdown. Yeah. Although everyone else has a 10 o'clock curfew, whereas when you're rowing, <laughs> You know, we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Come back when you like. Come back at sunrise. Yeah. Um, so, I have no idea how it works, right? So when you're actually... So rowing across the Atlantic is insane to me. Like, that's such a big distance. And it's incredible. What are all three of you doing? Like, I, I've never done any rowing. So are all three of you going all at the same time? And do you have... or? Do you get what I mean? Like, are you all rowing for a certain amount of time then all of you stop or... Yeah, so we basically row in shifts. So we'll probably row for something like two hours on, two hours off. So the boat's constantly moving. There's always someone on the oars. Um, Yeah. 
And then whilst you're not rowing, then you're sleeping or you're cleaning the boat or cooking some food and you sleep on the boat. A lot of people have said, oh, where do you sleep? It's like, on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just got a trailer. There's just a trailer on the back. <laughs> yeah, you get off onto the super yacht. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the boat's always moving. So that, that's basically how it works. So, so, so yeah. So your then, training that you're doing on these Saturday nights is you're just going to be rowing all night and doing the whole shift yeah. as if you were going across the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just and practicing the routines and things. I mean, there's so many bits and pieces that need to be done on the boat constantly, whether it's, um, you know, checking the navigation, our route, where we're going, checking all the electrics, making water. Very importantly, uh, we, we obviously don't take water with us. So instead, we use a water maker that converts the seawater into... Yeah to drinking water uh so you have to do that uh the jobs like cleaning the outside of the boat so at some point we're going to have to jump in the ocean hope there are no sharks around and give the boat a good scrub so i think we'll be doing so, that every few yeah. days so, so part of the training do you have to like how do you mentally prepare because there's going to be some point when you're out there and one of you is just going to go no i'm not doing it i'm not doing this today <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's difficult because it you know it's it's a situation that no, no matter how much you plan for you've never been in and until you've sort of yeah. you know it's a bit like learning to drive a car isn't it and then you only really learn once you pass your test but we've had a lot of days where we've sat down as a team and we've gone through our individual sort of strengths and weaknesses and how we respond in different situations um, and I suppose the training over the last this has been a two-year campaign for us is getting to know each other really well um, and getting to know you know how we each do deal with individual situations and so mentally, you know, knowing whether or not, you know, okay, how do we know when that person is struggling or, you know, yeah. saying we have to talk to each other if we are struggling, we have to communicate. And it's about that really clear communication and mindful communication with each other. Um, and we've just got to hope that that will um, see us through even when we're sort of very sleep deprived and probably mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. not feeling our best. <laughs> yeah. so, to, to be clear then on the sleep front you said because you're taking two hour shifts does that mean you'll be getting like a maximum of two hours sleep each time and that's even if you can fall asleep on the boat right? Yeah. yeah. Oh we may, we may at night maybe sneak in a three hours. We don't know yet. That might be a luxury. Yeah. Um, but people say in the past, you know, you get the first few days are the hardest because you're just not used to it. And then once you get into that pattern, um, it gets a lot easier. And I think that's something I'm, I'm certainly, uh, as we sort of discussed, yeah. is that we're a bit worried about the first just two, three days. And once we're through them, I think that's going to be a big celebration for us of like, oh, We've, you know, we've got the sleeping down. Yeah. Another big issue at the start is a lot of people suffer from seasickness. I think that's something mm. that regardless of training, you might never have been seasick before, but as soon as you're out from the ocean, uh, you can suffer quite badly. So sometimes it's the first few days, maybe the first week that it takes until you overcome that. So I think the mixture of getting used to the rowing, uh, the big waves, the seasickness and the tiredness it makes the first few days pretty brutal. I bet. Yeah. And then... So with the training that you guys have been doing, are you, are you able to fall asleep pretty easily now or is it still really difficult or what? Mm, depends how choppy it is, really. Um, when it's like flat as anything, it's like, oh, straight to sleep. <laughs> uh, but then when it gets a bit choppy, it's a bit, you sort of feel sick and so then you have to like dream about something and be like, I'm dreaming about this instead of being sick. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to know the sounds of the boat as yeah. well and sort of oh is that a bad sound is that just a normal sound um you know because it's really because where you are in the cabin 
in the stern cabin, you are sort of below the water level. So even if it's just like a oh. tiny water hitting the side, it's taken us a while to be like, okay, no, that is that's not a massive wave. That's a that's a tiny little slap on the side. Like <laughs> you can go to sleep. You're not going to drown. I mean, we wouldn't like um, the boats are self-writing. So even if you do capsize, they'll spin back over. So they're very, very safe boats. But oh my your God. mind is still there. Again, like, again, like how, how casually you guys say that. Like, oh, you know, if you capsize, <laughs> yeah. you just spin. It's fine. You just spin. Yeah, you're wrong. So in, there are some races where the weather's been, I don't know, I guess a bit temperamental and they've battled storms and things like that out at sea. In, in years like that, I'd say most crews tend to capsize at least once. And actually the last year, they had a kind of mixed bag of weather and the winning team, they capsized the, the day before. I think they arrived in Antigua. Mm. So it is something that is more common than you might imagine. Mm. But obviously I reckon it would be a laugh. I reckon it would be a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> an absolute hoop. If you're, if you're like, you, you, you've got through the first like few days and stuff and you're like midway through and you're like, oh, this is good. It'll spice it up a bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, we just cap, we've capsized. Quit. And we should say we are always attached. We always have harnesses and safety lines. So even if we do capsize, we're not like, oh, bye, see you later. Um, yeah. we are always attached so it's a very safe although there is obviously the risk of that cap size or um, sort of big waves and things it's still very very safe providing so, that we are sensible which we are what about all your belongings then are they all strapped in as well like because obviously I mean we've sent you like speakers and stuff like that is that all protected yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, everything will be tying down using carabiners, uh, like bungees, everything. So things like the speaker, you can kind of bungee around um, one of the lines that kind of goes down the side of a boat. So you, I mean, things like that are essentially, you do not yeah. want to be losing yeah. things like that overboard on day one. Yeah, they're the like, key to the morale, I feel. <laughs> like, if we can't listen to Harry Potter of an yeah. evening, I'll be very sad. <laughs> or a bit of Dolly Parton. Or a bit of Dolly Parton. Is that what you guys go with? Is, is it like audiobooks then? or a Mixture, really. Just a bit of everything. We're taking some audiobooks. We're taking some music. Some um, podcasts. Podcasts. Um, depends on the mood. Depends on Christmas tunes because... We'll be out there over yeah. Christmas. Yeah. I think oh, it's no. Yeah. Yeah, Christmas oh. year on board. You're going to take, take some Christmas presents. Yeah, they'll be edible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, want. we'll just want food. Yeah, more chocolate. Yeah, Terry's truck orange. That's the dream. A classic. Yeah. Who are uh, who? Who gets to who's who's decided these playlists? Who gets to decide the tunes? Is it are you guys taking that on a rotor or? Ooh. Depends. Mm. Flo sometimes occasionally likes quite a lot of like doof, doof, doof music, is how I'd say it. So she's only allowed to listen to that on her own earphones. No, that's absolutely not on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd say actually, in terms of we've all, we've all got quite similar music tastes. Um, our boat is called Dolly Parton, so we do love a bit of a bit of country. Yeah. Um, the Chicks is a bit of a favourite. Yeah, that is a favourite. But yeah, well, I mean, you, do, you are very good at playlists. You do like music. You do have good music. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have so many different types for different moods, I guess. I guess like you want to mix it, but depending yeah, yeah. on how you're feeling, it's day, night, morning. Um, be I, I definitely have like a lot of, I, I mean, I like a lot of indie rock. Well, like you said, I like a bit of house and yeah. I, <laughs> I, I reckon house. Drum and bass. 
house and drum and bass, I can imagine whoever's rowing at like 3 a.m. You, if you're asleep, you imagine just waking up to like some pounding drum beat. Like, what is going on there? Going across the Atlantic, like. I think I'd jump off. Yeah, <laughs> I'll push your own. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some nice yeah. playlists. I've set myself a target to like learn different songs. So the first one on the list is obviously WAP. So learn all the words <laughs> for that. <laughs> and then I'm going to learn all the words for another song. So like every day I'll learn a song. So I've made every four, day. 45 songs a day. Oh, <laughs> and I'll come back and like perform them to everyone. <laughs> Not WAP day. That's the next one. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's crazy. Um, so, how did you guys actually get into rowing? Where did that, when did that start for it for each of you? So, I think we all started at university um, as novice rowers. So, I think all as freshers actually in our first years of university. Yeah. So, I, Hannah and I were at University of Bristol. Um, and I guess, I mean, for me, I, start, I went to taste the session during freshers. And I, I think I knew when I went to university that I wanted to try a new sport. I wanted it to be a team sport. Uh, I really liked running at school, but I kind of felt like running was a very solitary sport. Uh, whereas run, uh, rowing was something new. I knew I liked the idea of it being like a mixed gender sport as well. That even though we row in um, you know women's teams, there are the men there as well, and I think it's quite nice having that kind of mixed atmosphere. Uh, and I went to the session, and I just loved it. I just really liked the sorts of people who were there. And I thought, actually, what better way to spend my time than being outside? It was a nice break because our boathouse in Bristol was just outside between Bristol and Bath in a place called Saltford. And it was a nice break for weekends to get out of the city and, and just go rowing with friends. And actually, we made such good friends through, through rowing who we're still very close to now, nearly, nearly 10 years on since I first met some of them in my novice year. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the good thing about rowing is... Um, you sort of see each other at your worst. Like you see each other after you've done a hard egg and you're sort of sweaty and nasty and smelly and you think, oh yeah, I want to be best friends with them. Because like you sort of bond so quickly. <laughs> Do you think? We bonded very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, to be fair, <laughs> rowing. also Hannah and I, we've shared rooms together on, on training camp. And I mean, doing 10, 10 day training camps, training three times a day out in Spain somewhere, it's pretty brutal. And I think... Yeah, definitely at your work. And so you, guys, so you guys took that and went, you know what, let's do it for 45 days across yeah. the Atlantic yeah. Ocean. Yeah, that is not hard and hard Because <laughs> that's, that's the thing about rowing, isn't it? It's like every single time you step on the erg, you know, you know you're taking yourself to a dark, dark place. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. And I think that's... So we, so we were at uni, what, uh, graduated five years ago. And I think I still, and I didn't continue rowing afterwards because of, I moved home, moved back to London and sort of decided I wanted some spare time in my life. Um, but I've still in my head very much think like, yeah, I can still pull those numbers on the erg. And then like getting back into training for this, you're like, ooh, that's not, that's not quite where I should be. And then you have to stop and remind yourself and be like, Hannah, you're starting, you know, you're through four years down the line here you have to sort of think very differently because the erg is horrible when you're not quite getting what the numbers that yeah you want to do. It's, what's it's what, what's the egg that's the rowing machine yeah i got one sir oh i got one sir um so in terms of that training then how different is it to just normal training on a rowing team? So obviously 
for like a rowing team, right? You're going for a 2K, that's that's the standard, but this is quite a bit more than a 2K. So how, do, how does that training compare? We still do some sprint work, but there's a lot more in terms of longer ergs. So particularly over lockdown, when we weren't getting out in the boat on the water, because the water time is the most sort of precious time. Um, you're doing sort of two hour ergs each weekend. Um, interspersed with there's a, there's a lot of strength and conditioning in the week as well off the rowing machine um, but we've had some really nice variation in terms of what those ergs are and um, yeah Gus is really good at putting together quite a varied program but you still can't get away from the fact that you do have to do an hour and a half two hours on the erg just because that's essentially what we're going to be doing every day and so you do need to practice um, but yeah, so they can be a, a bit boring. It's not as nice as when you're sat in the boat with something to look at on the... Uh, on For the, sure. And is, is Gus actually pushing you guys to maintain a certain split over those two hours? Or is he just like, just go for two hours? Like, how does that, how does that work? Based on heart rate, quite a lot of the time for those longer ergs in terms of, you know, whatever heart rate zone he wants us in. It's generally a, for those ones, a lower heart rate zone. So the split isn't necessarily the most important thing. Um, and then for our sort of uh, fast, uh, sort of shorter sprint slash medium intensity, then it's essentially, I suppose, we're just working off what we last got um, and just getting better at that. And then we are tested at certain points and those tests are um, a 10K test or a 20 minute test. Um, so you've got stuff to push off in terms of what we were doing um, and so that's nice because then you can easily see your progression um, from when we very first started to where you are now, which I think is that's, one of the nice. That's like one of the, the major signs of fitness, isn't it? Is, is, is heart rate and especially as a rower, because I think kind of what, what's the average resting heart rate for a rower somewhere between quite often like 40 to 50 or something like that. Where, where are you guys at the moment right on there? Resting heart rate. I haven't done in a while. I think you're quite a low one. I've got quite a low one, but I'm not sure what it is. 55? 55? Yeah, I'd say 55. Do you know that's, we'll have to do an experiment this week and let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Lawrence, what's yours? What's your resting heart rate? Lawrence? What's your 2K test? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you my 2K test when I was rowing, but if I told you what it is now, that'd be, uh, I'd have to leave. Best one of your life. My, your best, life? my best ever 2K was a split of 136.6. So what, what, how many minutes is that? So um, every, every five, 500 meters, one minute, 36, average, average What's that average total split. number? What's that times four? Um, I do not remember the number. That's the best in the Because we only looked at the split. Because he's making it up. I left it. Oh, yeah, I'm making it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm missing. I'm missing. Six, I'm missing. Six, well, 618. 624. That's good. I don't know. I'm making six, things up now. Somewhere around six, six thirty, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty I'll, I'll, I've got a screenshot somewhere. I've pinned it on my. I think mine. Classic, I think mine was uh, like three. mine was like six two five. Oh man! Yeah, nice. Yeah. With um, with a resting heart rate of like forty. Oh yeah, absolutely smashed it. Yeah, it's all that guitaring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all part of the trainer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Let's uh, let's let's jump ahead a little bit. Let's pretend you guys got got the record. What's what's next for you guys? Is it just back to back to the day job, or do you think you're going to keep pushing <laughs> well, forward with rowing in some capacity? 
So the good thing with Atlantic Antics is uh, it's a versatile brand. <laughs> so we do have a logo. Uh, it's predominantly kind of blues and a bit of yellow. So it's the waves and the, the sun. But we've already kind of spoken about how it could evolve. So it could be things like Arctic Antics. Desert Antics. No, it has to be an A. Any adventure with an A. Atacama <laughs> <laughs> was the desert. We don't know what we're doing oh, in the desert yet. Yeah, that's what it would be. Appalachian. Yeah. Yeah. Angola. There were lots of different yeah. ones, but definitely more challenges. Um, I think I'd quite like to see an Ironman one day, maybe like the 312 in Mallorca. We've sort yeah. of said we've got, you know, we've obviously got a few main aims for the row. And one of those aims is to come out of this better friends than we are going in and wanting to do another challenge together. Or maybe not a challenge of the scale that we're talking. We, we've talked about walking New Zealand, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. Um, or, you know, oh, or the Pennine pen way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wanting to come back and do, do something else together. And I suppose that will be the ultimate measure of our success, really. Nice. You should do a nice holiday after you finish the row before you yeah. try and do another challenge. Like yeah. in yeah. Antigua, Antigua Antics. Antigua Antics. A bit more rum punch. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. You get t-shirts made and like. <laughs> so when you get to the finish, when you're so you're coming up to the finish line, no one's going to be sleeping because you're all going to be like adrenaline, like oh we've done it. So then all three of you are going to be like rowing like crazy. Uh, yeah, are you looking probably. forward to that that moment? I guess you must be buzzing yeah. to get to. I always think, you, you know when you see people winning the Olympics and they're just so happy? I feel like yeah. it's going to be like that, but better. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, That's what I mean, yeah. Like you're, you're going to be... Yeah. I think even if you've had like a few ups and downs, like maybe even like a couple of hours before, I think the minute you realise you're that close, I think everything's just going to disappear and you're going to be like in the most yeah. happiest place ever. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know about you, but I've never cried from happiness. Haven't you? What? So maybe this will be a first. <gasps> my first station and my first cry of happiness. Oh, I can't mind. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that definitely I think, makes me Yeah. <laughs> I think all three of you will, will just collapse and just cry and just be like, we've yeah. done it. <laughs> and it'll yeah. be like the tiredness, the happiness, it'll be everything. <laughs> I, 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 I would. real. And I think the weird thing will just be that sort of thought of like, well, what do we do now? It's all over. This has yeah. been two years of just preparation. Does it so- feel real? Does it feel real now? Like you know, like you just said, it's been two years. You guys have been preparing for it. You're training for it. I guess that becomes a routine, and you get used to that routine. Do you feel like yeah. the closer it's getting getting to December now? Does it feel? Hang on, we're actually going across the Atlantic. Yeah. So I think a couple of days. Well, yesterday marked two months until the race starts and sort of a, a month until the boat gets shipped. And I think, like you say, it becomes quite normal to just sort of talk about it. And then maybe for me, I go and watch like a video of previous races or just sort of think about, and you know, you see the conditions or you sort of think, and see, watching those videos, we watched them a year ago, but they mean something different now because you know your own boat, you know why they've got certain stuff on their boats. Um, and then you're, that makes it more real for me. Um, but yeah, I think it, it goes in waves because it's some days it's just like, God, this is just normal. This is what we're, we're doing. It's what we've been planning for. And then other days you're like, wow, it actually is this huge thing. And now it, it does, it is starting to feel real. Although I think there'll always be a certain part that doesn't feel real until we actually cross that start line. And we're like, okay, just 3000 miles. Then <laughs> there is no turning around. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then, like, I guess you said it's because it's a race. Do, do you you want to win, don't you? Are you you're competitive? What happens if you? How many people are actually doing it? How many teams are taking part? So normally there were meant to be, I think, thirty-five in our race, but because of COVID, a few of them have dropped out. So there's now about twenty-three or twenty-four teams, um, and they vary from solo rowers up to five-man teams. So in our category, solo, solo. who so is doing that by themselves? They got to be crazy. Yeah, nuts. Yeah. I know. Um, yeah. So I guess like there are different elements of that competitiveness, whether it's you know us just wanting to kind of do well and, and have a really good row and try and get, you know, this world record of, of being the fastest female trio. Um, but also it is nice to kind of compete. It's, it's hard to know how we'll fare against other teams at this point, but I guess whilst we're out there, of course you'll want to push off other boats around you, whether that is like the other trio or kind of four man teams. Um, you know, there's a lot, it's, it's an interesting race because it's not purely about your strength and physical um, stamina. A lot of it is to do with the route that you take, uh, the weather conditions, like that can have it have a huge kind of impact on how well you do. So you could easily compete against like a four-man crew theoretically if you took a better route than they did. Or So I guess um, everything's to play for out there, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, I guess you could like trash talk each other across the water as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we weren't able to see the other teams, unfortunately. Otherwise, that would be what we would do. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. That's what I'd be doing. Lawrence, me and you should. Lawrence, you should. So, I can't. I've never tried rowing. So, Lawrence, you should row from New Zealand and come visit me in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get right on that one. Yeah. And then you guys could do a pair across the Atlantic next year. Yeah. How do you yeah. think you'd do rowing together as a pair? Well, Sean's never rowed before for a start, so that could be a slight disadvantage. So, yeah, I've never done it before, and then I think Lawrence would get too angry with me. <laughs> you could be like Cracknell and Ben Fogel when they did it, because Ben Fogel had never rowed before, but obviously James Cracknell was an Olympic rower, so I think he got he got a bit annoyed because he had to but they won, they won. Ben to row. But yeah, they did well. I think I think we'd do well, and we'd probably win just because. Yeah. Me and Lawrence are winners. Dream team. <laughs> I wasn't even humbled and I was like, we're winners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you've got a winning attitude, that's all you need. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You get about the boat and the kit. You're at the finish line already. Yeah. A few there tricks up our sleeves as well. So we sent, we've sent you guys, we've sent you guys some speakers, we've sent you guys some earbuds, right? We've sent you some, some anchor stuff. Um, so how, how, how's all that stuff supporting, supporting the journey? I think most importantly, keeping us entertained, I guess, whilst you're rowing two hours on, two hours off, there's not a whole amount that you can be, you can do. It's not like you can take a book, the book will get wet. Um, it's like a time to read. So being able to listen and kind of keep your ears entertained, I guess, by listening to podcast music is just so important. Uh, so we, of course, like want to, the best kind of headphones and speakers possible. I think what's quite nice is being able to mix stuff as well between listening to your own music. So of course, uh, when <laughs> Hannah wants to listen to the Hamilton soundtrack, she can put her <laughs> and I can listen to my house music. <laughs> um, but then you can come together and use a speaker and get out, put some dolly on or something like that. And actually, I don't know, have a bit of a laugh together. is like quite yeah. nice as well. Um, yeah. I guess also at night you don't exactly want to be waking people up whilst they're sleeping so you need to be able to 
Actually, one, yeah. one, other, one other question on the music front then, because obviously if you're in the middle of the ocean, there's not really going to be any Wi-Fi or anything like that. So have you guys just literally just downloaded a whole bunch of stuff and just running off yeah. that then? So we will have satellite phones to be able to communicate back um, to land. And we'll also have a BGAN, which allows you to kind of send some content back home as well, like photos and, and maybe some videos. But there is a huge problem that, of course, like most people nowadays use Spotify. Spotify logs you out after 30 days, and we expect to be at sea for 45. Uh, I think we've had one crew being able to manage to get their began to help um, log back into their Spotify account. But most people for the, the final couple of weeks rely on their old iTunes accounts from when they were, you know, 15 or something like that. That's, that's when the bangers come out. That's when the bangers yeah. are going to come out. Those, those last couple of weeks when you need that final push. You, yeah. Your, uh, your favourite songs when you're 15 are going to get you through. Yeah. Exactly. I guess the thing is as well about the headphones is um, the Rose such a mental thing. More People always come off it and say, oh God, that was so much more of a mental challenge than it was a physical. And even though the physical is bloody hard I think the um I think half of it is just like being bored and like getting in your own head and so if you can just blast some music you don't have That's any it. Drones, tune, so it, tune it out tune, it, tune out, it, yeah. it out right and I think the handy thing is the speakers are waterproof so if they fall in <laughs> then you're you're good so yeah. when that capsize happens yeah, yeah they're safe it's got a nice flashy light on it as well so we'll see it That's it. Flo- floating around the cabin <laughs> yeah It'll be a party at night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to go the house music. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But um, in in all seriousness, guys, we we wish you all the best of luck. And uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast today. Thank you. And thanks for all your support. It really means so much. And I think, you know, having this uh, stuff is really going to make a massive difference to us. It was definitely one of the things we were a bit worried about in terms of getting decent stuff that was going to last us their own. And... This is definitely going to do the job. So thank you so much. I can't wait no to worries. see the. I can't wait to see the journey and where it takes you afterwards as well. I'm excited for you. I feel like I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, you should yeah, do us- it. Too late to sign up for next year or the year after. Do you know what? I I have to check the calendar and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hair yeah. wash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I might be doing my hair. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but please, you know, send us send us uh, like some photos, some clips. Um, put on put on room ninety four. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That'll light the speaker right up. <laughs> we we never made it across the Atlantic, so this is our chance. There you go. Oh yeah. How cheesy did that sound? <laughs> <laughs> that it was too good of a tie-in. It was too good not to say it. And uh, yeah, just just for everyone listening, um, we'll leave some links uh, to Atlantic Antic socials somewhere around uh, this podcast or wherever you're listening. So make sure you guys go and check them out. Yeah, and I think we have to do like a round two once once you're back as well. Like yeah. it's a whole new podcast we can talk about the capsizing. Yeah. yeah, it'll be like it's going to be like a movie. Yeah, <laughs> swimming with dolphins, whales, shark attacks. We'll recreate everything. Cool. Um, So yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate your time. And uh, we look forward to catching up after the trip to see how it's gone. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you.